And what I've done is I've sifted uh, through the Scripture and tried to lift out of the Scripture the um, dominant Scriptures that tell us our mentality, our behavior, as it relates to dealing with politicians and secular leadership. Not just politicians, but any secular leader. So Proverbs 24, 21, My son, he says, Fear thou the Lord and the King, and meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamities shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? So our first two points here, number one was, we're called to have a fear or respect of leaders. And that fear or respect is based on the fact that we fear God. We fear God. Um, it's not based on the fact that leaders are the ultimate of all things. And so, oh, I fear somebody above them, God. And because of that, he tells me to fear them. So I therefore do that. There was one of these kings. I, I wrote it down. I don't know if I still, oh, here it is. Oh, maybe it's not. I had a, I had a little illustration I was going to share about one of these kings who, in, um, I think he was of France, King Louis the, looks like he's the 14th of France, when he died, he called himself the Great, Louis the Great, okay? And uh, he was a monarch who made the infamous statement, quote, I am the state. That's what he said. So he had a high view of himself. His court was the most magnificent in Europe at his court. At his funeral, it was absolutely spectacular. As his body lay in a golden coffin, uh, to dramatize the whole event of his greatness, orders were given that the cathedral should be very lit, uh, dimly lit only with only one special candle that was set above his coffin. Thousands waited in hushed silence. Again, he's dead in this golden coffin. Then the so-called, their bishop, Massillon, began to speak. He's He's uh, moderating this memorial service, this funeral. And as this bishop began to speak, slowly he reached down to the candle that was above the coffin and he snuffed it out. And as he snuffed it out, he said, only God is great. And I thought, there you go. That's right. Now, that was a good thing to say. No, the guy's dead, so it's not like he's a, hey, you know. But he, he said the right thing, you know. Uh, was it that they didn't respect their king? They respected their king, but they're reminding people there's a greater one to fear and to respect. That's God. But we are to respect and fear the, the leader because we respect and fear God. Number two, we remember, we're reminded, number two, to meddle not with the insurrectionists. That's what it teaches there, Proverbs 24, the last part of 21 uh, and all of 22. And there's calamities that happen to insurrectionists. We see a calamity that came on Korah and his company, and uh, Dathan and Abiram in Numbers chapter 16, there was a calamity that came on Absalom when he tried to cause an insurrection. There's a calamity that came on Sheba as well in 2 Samuel chapter 20. And then number two, we're just highlighting this. In Roman numeral two, we're reminded in Matthew 22 to render to Caesar. Uh, Jesus said, render that which is Caesar's and that to God that which is God's. In particular, the context was uh, questioning the tax, and so we need to render the tax. That's how we ought to uh, remember that. Number four, uh, we're reminded to keep this all in balance, to obey God rather than man when the commands conflict. And commands eventually can conflict. 
And so um, in Acts chapter 4, in, in Acts chapter 5, we see the disciples voicing that. By the way, it, they are not the only ones who had to choose to obey God rather than man. Paul had to do the same thing. He had to obey God rather than man on some of the religious authorities over him even, and even some of the secular authorities who told him not to preach. Daniel had to obey God rather than man a couple of times, didn't he? Um, Peter, the same thing I just mentioned as well. All right, and then we remember that we need to speak respectfully. That's number five. Speak respectfully. Acts chapter 26, verses 1 to 3. Acts chapter 22, verses 1 to 3. We see Paul speaking respectfully to a dignitary that he's dealing with. You know, it's interesting, even when we are in a position, and again, we're being hypothetical in a lot of this. Very, very few of us have probably had to be in a scenario where you had to um, do, maybe you have, but probably not as many where I've had to actually, to, to continue to obey God, I was disobeying man, an authority. That, that happens. And it's good for us to think through that to think through uh, at what point would I say no to a, a command of somebody above me. We have to think through those things. We need to continue to obey God. In other words, like if, you know, I, you know deny Jesus Christ or don't speak about Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to speak about Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to interrupt my work time when I'm being paid to do something else to do it, but I'm going to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it's against the law, well, then I'm going to have to deal with that. Well, I'm going to obey God rather than man. But even in doing that, and even in having to um, be in a scenario like that where it's crossing the commands or going against the commands of a leader, you still speak back to that leader respectfully. Think about Daniel. Remember when Daniel had to, even as a teenager, had to deny the diet that was forced on him? Um, in, in Babylon, he was the, <laughs> the most intimidating king probably ever was telling him to eat this and that through, his, uh, through some of his subordinates. And Daniel said, you know, we're not going to eat that. And he, and he entreated the, the prince of the eunuchs. He didn't say, let me tell you something, pal. He's like, no, I'm, you know, we uh, prove thy servants. We beseech thee ten days or whatever it was. He was respectful, but he stood his ground. Paul was respectful when he, even when he uh, spoke with the leaders he disagreed with, and so was Peter. By the way, let's think about this. I, I want to take a, just a little bit more time on this review. Look in 2 Peter. I was reminded of the scripture today. What's the point? Number five, the point is speaking respectfully to leaders. Look in 2 Peter chapter 2. And we see an example here of... Um, now, the conversation here, the context in 2 Peter 2 is Peter's talking about other people, and it could have been people that were infecting the church who were just really... Um, they calls them fleshly. 2 Peter chapter 2, there were some false teachers and there's some that were just fleshly and they weren't the kind of people that the Lord wants us to become. Look what it says in 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's read verses 10, 11, and 12 and pay attention to what's being said. He says, 2 Peter 2 verse 10, but chief, chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness despise government and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed are they, pardon me, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. 
But these, as brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. There's a type of person, as it says in verse 10 at the end, a type of person who has no problem railing on a dignitary. No problem just shooting from the hip some uh, defamatory thing or accusation. Now let's make a distinction. We're talking about being a person who speaks, the, there's one thing to be a person who speaks the truth and who calls out truth and error in an appropriate context. We need to be those type of people. If our president endorses abortion, we're going to say, that's wrong, and he does. And we're going to speak the truth about that. But if there's just something we just want to, we just want to throw out dirt, we want to sling mud, we want to just kind of uh, get down and dirty and ugly. No, that's not. That's what. That's what he's speaking about here. Speaking, just throwing dirt, throwing mud at dignitaries, so to speak. He says they're not afraid. They're not afraid to speak. Um, presumptuous are they? They're not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. You know, I like, like I told you last Sunday morning. There's a there was a a, a guy in in. Uh, in Tempe, a pastor in Tempe who, who does that easily. And he trashes, uh, hopes, he prayed that certain president, that one of the presidents would die. You know, and he says, and he, he says, I want to make this clear. I hate such and such president. And he's just not afraid to say that stuff. Not afraid at all to speak evil of dignitaries. But the Bible says, even angels, look what it says in verse 11. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, angels are greater than you and me in power and might. And how do they speak even of other dignitaries or other evil angelic dignitaries? What, how do they speak? Do you think they trash talk to you know, Michael and his archangels? Yeah, we're going to get you. Say, you're going down, boy. No, they don't do that. They don't do that. I know, it's funny. But they don't do that. And they don't do that to earthly dignitaries. Now, Satan's side does that. He accuses you. He rails on you. He rails on everybody. He's a slanderer. He, he's a chief trash talker of all. But the angels, they won't do that to the evil angels. It even says in Jude that Michael, the archangel, the highest of the good ones, will not dare to bring a railing accusation against Satan. But when he was fighting with Satan over Moses' body, he says, the Lord rebuke you. Satan. There's something um, more controlled, more high, higher of more a better. Uh, there's more, of more excellence of some of these angelic beings, and even in how they address other failing or errant leaders. And I think it's teaching us. So it says it says here the. Peter's saying that um, we, it's like, um, <clears throat> I guess I'm, with this, I'm going back to the first things I said. Whenever we speak about maybe a bad leader, we should still make sure we're doing it in a right way. Like, you know, I, I fear for this guy. We put a little, I fear for, uh, our current president, Biden, who put his hand on the Bible and swore to this, this, and that, so help him God, and went on to violate 
the things that, by his policies, the things he put his hand over, not slaying the innocent and approving of perverted lifestyle. I mean, he's violent. I fear for him. And uh, we say this is wrong. We pray for him. So we're, we're speaking of it in a, not in an evil way, like a hateful way, in a concerned way. But if I were to follow kind of the typical attitude of most conservatives on talk radio, I'd just be a trash-talking person about them all the time. If I follow their attitude, I can't be like Sean Hannity's attitude or Rush Limbaugh's attitude. I can't. We're Christians. We're supposed to, and I know he calls himself a Christian, but we're supposed to have a different, a bigger picture look of all this thing. And so, so when we speak, we have to speak clearly, truthfully, but we speak respectfully to them and about them. So says the Lord. Okay. And so that was review and an, an added bonus on the review. Uh, number six, um, we saw that uh, we're on the backside. Number six is on the backside of your paper there, the new material. <clears throat> so now we're told... This is a more of a lengthy passage to be subject to. And, and in a sense, we've already been talking about that, but we're just following these texts of Scripture that, that seem to deal with it more thoroughly. So follow me to Romans 13, 1 to 7, and the command is this, be subject to. That is, it really means to be submissive um, to the higher power. So let's, let's read this. We'll read verses 1 through, I'll read verses 1 through 7, follow along, and then we'll just kind of dive into it a little bit here. Romans 13, verses 1 to 7. <clears throat> so it says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, and he gives us a reason. For there is no power but of God, and uh, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil... Be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. <clears throat> for this cause, pay ye, pardon me, for, for this cause, pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. We'll stop right there. So the, the, the command, the central command is be subject to, and everything kind of breaks down from that. Everything kind of elaborates on that. Be subject to. Now the word, it's like, the, if you care to hear the Greek word, it's like hypotasso is a Greek word. That he uses. So that was a word in secular uh, usage. They would use that word, what we would say, be subject to. The Greek word meant <clears throat> it was used in military uh, scenarios where a centurion or whatever, some general captain, whatever, who had troops under him, 
the troops were subject, they were hypotasso, if I remember the word right, they were, they were organized under him. It's a, it's a word picture that means to be organized under. It means to rearrange yourself under whatever they say. Okay, we want, we want 50 over here, 50 over here, 50 over here, 50 over here. All right, no, I want it all split up. I want it groups and fives now. And they were all subject to whatever that captain, general, whatever rank you want to call them. I want it in groups of 10 now. Or I want this to go over here, this to go over here. And they were subject to what he said. And they, they, were, chained, they were constantly... Uh, organizing themselves, reorganizing themselves around the calls of the leader. They were subject to, and that's what it means. It means like, be ready to adjust, <laughs> be ready to adapt, be subject to. <clears throat> and, um, and we have to do that, you know, in our country. We have to adapt to some of the leaders, and we adapt to a certain amount. You know, there's, we're not going to do every single thing they ever tell us because we're going to obey God rather than man, but we have to be flexible and do things maybe that weren't our, our choice. Okay, <clears throat> so A, B, C. Be subject to for God's sake. For God's sake. <clears throat> Letter A. Why? It says, let every soul be subject unto higher powers, for there is no power, this is why, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. So when I, again, when I, when I choose to follow my boss at work, who's not a Christian, and, I'm, and I go along with his plan. You know, unless he tells me to drive off a cliff or kill myself, I'm going to say no. But if he's doing things, I'm, I don't know. Or if he's telling me to do something illegal, no. But if it's just stuff that I just didn't like and I know I'm supposed to be at this job, I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to be subject to him because God had ordained it that I, that I follow this order of authority. Uh, you know, a mayor, a governor, a president, <clears throat> or whatever. Um... I do it because that power is of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. That is, I believe, that, in other words, it's, a lot of times it takes faith to do this, to be subject to certain leaders that aren't maybe of your same values. It takes some faith. Also, you've got to use your brain still, but it takes faith. And you say, you know what, God, you established this person. They're here for whatever time, whatever purpose, and I'm going to honor, <clears throat> I'm going to, uh, be subject to them in fear of you. That's what I'm going to do. And um, again, if somebody's hurt, telling you to hurt yourself, hurt another person, do something illegal, do something immoral, then you have a chance to leave, and you should. That's how it works. But we're showing that the power is of God. We, it, we're trusting His choices versus rebelling against it. <clears throat> Did you know, now that let's think about on a bigger scale. This is something that I've had to ponder lately. Listen to, watch this. Did you know that sometimes God would put a leader in a country to bless them on purpose? Other times God would put a leader in a country to ripen them for something else. And other times God would put a leader in a country to punish them. I don't know. What, I don't think God's putting our leader in here to bless us right now. He could be ripening us for something. He could be just letting us have our own way and say, you want your own way? There you go. See what it's going to get you. But ultimately, God either God could prevent, permit, or produce the leader we have. He's all in control in either one of those scenarios. He's still in ultimate control. <clears throat> but we, we do, we, but when it comes to dealing with him, we do it for God's sake. All right, number letter B, it's for wrath's sake, he says. Look at verses 2 to 4. 
whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. He, now he's talking about kind of the general design that God has designed governments to have with people. Governments are to be there to control the, uh, to punish evil, to pun- you know, there's, th- there's thieves, all right, there, there, there's theft, we got to punish that. Um, there's abuse, we got to get that. There's um, murder, we got to address that. <clears throat> there's fraud, we got to address that. So you should be afraid of stealing. You should be afraid of fraud. You should be afraid of murdering somebody. You should be afraid of tax evading, some of these other dishonest things, because you ought to be afraid, because that's what God, they're God's ministers, to address those things. <clears throat> we should be for wrath's sake. Um, but government in general is there to punish evil and to keep man's sinful nature restrained. <clears throat> and that's all it can do, really, is keep it restrained. This is one thing that we got to remember that I, that I want to constantly remind us as Christians in our, in our political kind of football game that we go through every four years in our country <clears throat> is no matter what we have in, above us, they're trying to basically restrain the worst of our appetites. It's just government, it's, what do they say? One of our leaders said something that's like the necessary evil at best or something like that, you know? They're, they're just restraining, they're just keeping things now that's never going to create a utopia. Never going to create a utopia. A hundred years ago in this country, there was certain Christian thought and secular thought that was coming together thinking, maybe we can create a utopia, you know? And it's not going to happen. Jesus is going to create that. But the best government can do is just keep things restrained. And what Christians need to be doing is trying to keep it restrained from the inside out by keep preaching the gospel. And we need both of those. You need that inner restraint and the outer restraint. So anyways, for wrath's sake, he says, and then he says, he bears not the sword in vain. Where does it say that there? Verse 4, he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. We certainly know that uh, bearing the sword, well, the idea of bearing a sword right here means to showing punishment. And the ultimate sword punishment is execution. In this day and age, a lot of them were executed by having their heads cut off. If they really wanted to be very cruel, they crucified them. That's what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. But government, here's a thought as we move, as before we move on. Um, government ought to do the death penalty. I think government ought to be very thorough and research and make sure they got really a guilty person, but they ought to, by God, by original intent in Genesis, they ought to do the death penalty. Uh, we just heard on the news, one of the states back east, they're all happy and clapping because they're getting rid of the death penalty and a lot of you know liberal Democrats are happy about that, and some Republicans, <clears throat> and it just means that most people you're just going to pay more money to keep that guy or woman uh, accommodated in a in a prison, and um, <clears throat> and it and it uh, inclines men's heart to evil still, as it says in Ecclesiastes, because the sentence is not executed speedily. But anyways, we we should be afraid of we should be subject to them for God's sake, for wrath's sake. I you know I'm gonna. You know, um, there are some things I don't like. 
I don't like the speed limit over here. You know, I think it goes down to 25. I don't like it. But there's a little bit of wrath that would come on me in my pocketbook if I, if I just ignore it, you know. I did get a ticket down here one time, and uh, like a long time ago, 20 years ago before, I don't know. Anyways, <clears throat> you know, I got to, I got to, it, it's, I had, no, so I got to be subject to it for the financial wrath's sake. <clears throat> and God says, that's how I designed it. Okay, so letter C, for conscience sake, he says. Look at verses 5 to 7. It talks about rendering. <clears throat> it must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake, for this cause, for your conscience. <clears throat> pay, pay ye tribute also. They are God's ministers attending continually upon this thing. Rendered are all their use. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Honor to whom honor. For conscience sake, for awareness sake. You know, it's only reasonable to render a tax at some level. Now, we get it in our country. We have the privilege of fussing about what level of tax. We have that privilege of uh, voting on who we want to be in there to who's going to tax us the most, you know. But we're going to pay a tax, you know. <clears throat> you try to hide somewhere, eventually somebody's going to say, hey, you owe a tax on this. You, you pay, we pay taxes when you live in a country or in, a, in a, uh, um, some kind of, place where there's government. For conscience sake, but here's the thought. Can you in good conscience hide, duck, avoid, and dodge all taxes while living in a country underneath the benefits of those taxes of other people paying those taxes? That's not right. You should pay for conscience sake. If I hide, duck, and avoid all taxes, yet I keep driving on these nice streets and freeways and enjoy the military protection I got about me and, you know, <clears throat> things like that. Whoa, wait a minute. That's not right. They are God's ministers. They need to, that. Now, in our country, I think they're probably spending tax on way too many things, but still need to have fire department, police officers, and things like that. So, <clears throat> for conscience sake, Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 12 to 7, speak about having a good testimony. D, letter D and letter E. Having a good testimony. We be subject to leaders. Why? Because we want to have a good testimony. We don't want to be the brawlers and the. <clears throat> we don't want to be the worst citizens. We want to be the best citizens. You know, Peter talked about you know people that that get that get accused. They um, you know they. In fact, let me just let's just read it. You're probably close there. Look in First Peter chapter two. It's talking about Christians having a good testimony. First Peter chapter two. <clears throat> Verse, we'll pick up in verse 12. 1 Peter 2, verse 12, it talks about living as strangers and pilgrims. Verse 12, having your conversation honest, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against you, they, pardon me, they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. I think the idea is like people speak bad about Christians. But when they start visiting and looking into, like, well, I really can't say much about that, you know. I thought they're lawbreakers, but, you know, I guess that guy does pay his tax. I guess that guy could, tries to keep the speed limit. No, he's not stealing like they say. We're supposed to have a good testimony. <clears throat> um, Daniel was proven to be, have a good testimony. 
when somebody digs in your life, is it going to prove to be a good testimony? <clears throat> and then last of all, we preached this. We preached a whole two messages on it. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, really verses 1 to 8, is that our conduct towards secular leadership is to pray for them. First Peter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, I will therefore that meant, or he says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So what is it that I need to do? I need to pray for my leaders. And so that's the Christian way. Now see, there's kind of like two extremes in our country. There's the extreme, well, this one's developing. You get these extremes where it comes to a person's dealing with a leader, they love, adore them, they deify them. You know, certain politicians become the rock star, so to speak, you know. In communist countries, they have these like banners like as big as a football field hanging from a side of a building of this chubby leader's face. I'm thinking, the guy's not even that good looking, you know. But anyways, everybody's supposed to go, oh, you know, like that. It's usually because they've said no to God, so they're going to say no to, yes to another God, which is usually their leader. And so they, oh, yeah, and they, and they kind of deify the North Korean leaders in the last 50 years or so, and sometimes communist leaders, and they try to do that. And then the other extreme that we can find ourselves in in America is we demonize them. That guy's just, you know. And Satan wants us to do one thing. He wants us to deify, to idolize a leader, or to just trash them and rail on them and uh, demonize them. No, 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 we don't do either one of those. We see they're, you know, men made of feet of clay, and uh, I need to respect and follow their, um, the ordinances and the things that I am dealing with under them, in as much as it does not violate my obedience to God, and I need to be a good testimony to them, and and be a pleasant surprise to them and pray for their salvation and, and look past them. It's like, you know what? This is just the person God has over me for now. And, and um, if God wants to move them, God will move him or her on. But until then, I'm going to do my best to be subject and to honor their leadership and pray for them. Knowing also, ultimately, there's a greater king and leader that I get to be under in a great... I'm already under, but I get to be under in a greater way one day. The Lord Jesus Christ and experience His leadership. And so here's some things I hope help us. Just Again, I, I, always, I just constantly want to, as a church, say, wait, whatever the mentality is out there, question it and compare it with the Bible. <laughs> Well, how does the Bible say we should think about this and act towards this? You believe this? You believe what we're saying tonight? You believe what the Scripture said to you tonight? 